0: Again, I'd like to welcome all of you that are our guests today. If you're a guest, we're so glad to have you in service. Thank you for being with us today. If you're watching us online, wherever you're joining us from this morning, thank you for being a part of this service wherever you may be today. If this is your first or your second time, we invite you to stop by our welcome area in the back. We have a small token of appreciation to give you for being with us this morning. Praise God. And uh, I I know Bishop communicated last week, but uh, this past week I was in uh, Liverpool for Patrick Hemus, Brother John and Sister Sherry's son's wedding. It was on Thursday. I uh, arrived in Liverpool 8.50 last Sunday morning, which was about 3.50 your time. Went to the hotel, unpacked, got cleaned up, went to church, and preached. I'm not sure how well I did, but I preached. Amen. Got back in yesterday afternoon. Been up since 4 a.m., which is not norm for me. That's Brother Benner's time of day. That's not mine. But here I am. So, praise God. That wasn't very reassuring I mean, uh, Well, I guess good news is I'm leaving tomorrow, so Bishop will be here next week. so and I leave tomorrow with my lovely bride of almost 25 years at the end of this month we are going to celebrate our 25th anniversary. And uh, going to California. She's never been. I haven't been since I was a teenager just a couple of years ago. <laughs> so you will be in good hands. Hopefully I'll get a little better applause in two weeks. I mean, man, I'm not feeling a whole lot of now. Forget it now. Forget it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. I know I'm loved. I. I want to say how I know she was here last week, but it is so lovely to see Sister Barbara Dells. She's been out for several months, recovering from a fall, and we're so glad to have her. So uh, Bishop will be ministering next weekend, so encouraging you to be here and uh, bring somebody with you. Amen. Genesis chapter 28. Genesis 28 and verse number 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And the previous part of this chapter gives the context that Jacob is now in the process of fleeing from his brother, whom he has now deceived out of the birthright and the blessing. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. I don't like soft pillows, but I don't think I quite want a stone for my pillow. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest to thee, will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and In thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. He waked out of his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. This is probably not what you teach somebody in a speech class and it's probably not what you teach preachers in training, but I have a title that it came to me the other day and I've been trying to edit it. And I finally decided to leave it alone. So it may not make any sense to you right now. Hopefully it will by the time we're done. If it doesn't, then I'll blame jet lag. But I think it will. This phrase came to me. I don't even know if it's grammatically correct, to be very honest with you. The phrase in my title this morning is proximity of position proximity of position father i thank you for your wonderful presence that is in this place today i thank you that we have not come to just simply go through the motions of religion we have come to encounter to experience you god i believe we've already done that in this place but i also believe that you are not finished what you want to do here today but there are hearts and lives in this place today that you want to touch and minister to. People that you want to speak to, God. So I trust you today. God, I do not want to preach a sermon this morning. But by your grace, I desire to deliver a message that would come from you. Trust you for your anointing today. I depend on you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I bless you. You may be seated the word "proximity means nearness in place, time, order, occurrence or relation. The word "position" means the point or area occupied by a physical object. I, uh, I've, I've had the privilege of traveling overseas. first time I went, I was around 13 years old, maybe a 12. And uh, we went to the country of Malawi. Since then, I've had the privilege, all for ministry, to travel overseas. I counted up the, the other day. I think I'm at 25 countries that I have had the privilege of visiting. And I, I don't know why, but this past week, for some reason, more than any other, I really was found myself kind of continually, continually pondering how much we are shaped by where we live by our culture our surroundings that how i it just the, the degree and i know that's a very sort of an obvious kind of a statement but really the degree to which that is the case just this week for some reason just really uh i, I don't know it just was sort of chewing on my mind all week long we uh Thursday evening was was Thursday afternoon was the wedding and uh, three o'clock Thursday afternoon and then the reception following that and we were we were uh, sitting at the the reception and and uh, my dad is uh, if you're a guest today my dad is the founding pastor of this church um, we were sitting there at the table together several other folks but uh, he had some kind of infection in going on in his mouth, and so he was in need of trying to get something to try to help with that infection, and so he pulls out his phone to Google CVS. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on, but it seems like the last several years, there are CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens popping up everywhere. I mean, they're even across the street from each other. Crazy. And so, uh, obviously, I say obviously, that's not the case. We did pass a Walmart in Liverpool, so uh, he couldn't find a CVS. But even beyond that, the challenge was, it was about 7.20, the challenge was finding something that was open past 8. Because pretty much everything shuts down. At eight, so we we he found a something that was supposed to be open till eight. He and I jumped in the car together, and he navigated there. I jumped out to run in to not be able to find whatever it is that was supposed to be there. Just the convenience store asked somebody there, you know, is there a pharmacy? And they're like, "Are you crazy?" Kind of look. <laughs> found another kind of a grocery store type place. We go there and, I mean, it was a decent sized grocery store and I'm looking all around for what he was requesting and there's just, there's nothing. I mean, what what you and I think, don't even think twice about that really any time of the day we can find some place. But the norm was, the norm was, that's not the norm. You know, in addition to being on the wrong side of the road, or if you're a British, the right side of the road, the correct side of the road, it it just beyond that, just, just the way everyone thinks, and you are shaped by that, what is absolutely abnormal to you and I is totally normal to them. And if you've ever traveled overseas, no matter where you've gone, you've observed that, you've You've observed that people or cultures are different. I, again, I know this is obvious, but, but I, I don't know. Again, just some reason this week, the extreme of this was just really setting in. And, 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 and I realized that, you know what, no matter where I go, I am just a visitor. And I can survive most things because I'm a Visitor. So if there's no place open after eight, we can just get home in a couple of days. We'll we'll get back to the norm. We we have we have what is what is our, our, our norms, what are our customs. Let me let me let me sh- sh- say this to you. Our experiences are based on where we live and what we focus on. And this, in turn, shapes our values and our beliefs. My surroundings is what my experiences are. When I go someplace different, I have to try to adjust. I try to learn the terminology. If you were to walk into a nice restaurant here and sit down at a nice restaurant and and say to them, where's the toilet? They would look at you like you had a problem is you ask for the restroom. You sit over there in a nice rest, restaurant and ask for the restroom, and they look at you like you're crazy. You just ask them, where's the toilet? What is... I, th- there, there's basically no sit-down restaurant that doesn't have fountain drinks. We ate in a fairly nice restaurant Friday night, and they, you ask for a soft drink, they bring you a Coke bottle. That's the norm. That's not unusual. Here, you ask for a drink, you don't. they don't ask you at a restaurant, would you like ice? Because for us, that's the norm. That's our culture. For them, they will ask you when they hear the accent, would you like ice? So your experiences shape you and mold you. The challenge that you and I face is we are supposed to change cultures. That I'm supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And so let me see if I can make my title even more confusing if it's already confusing. My position does not determine my proximity. My position is just where I am by default. But what I am, what, what is near to me, what is close to me, I decide that. That's right. That's exactly right. I determine what I'm close to. Not my surroundings, not my culture. Jacob lays down to rest and has no idea that his position and his proximity. See, the amazing thing is you can be in a position where your proximity is near God and not know it. But the flip side of the coin is I can be in a position that would seem to indicate that God is a million miles away. The psalmist said it like this. He is a very present help in trouble. You see, most of us get in trouble and then we ask, where's God? We get in bad situations and our flesh says, where's God? God says, you get in trouble, you don't have to worry about where I am. Because your position does not dictate where I am. You determine whether or not I'm where you are. By your perspective, by your attitude, by being willing to look beyond the circumstances and realize that I am not bound by any circumstance. I've experienced this all my life. For as long as I can remember, I've experienced this. But once again, this past week, I experienced it again as my dad, would, we were riding. In fact, at one point, it was several of us in the car. We were riding along, and just he just kept every couple of minutes or so, he just all of a sudden, out of the blue, just, thank you, Father. His position may have been the driver's seat on the wrong side of the car. Trying to keep up with staying on the correct side, not the right side, the correct side of the road. That may have been his position, but his proximity... I may be here, but I'm connected to something there. there there's a verse in John chapter 3. I, I heard this verse a couple of years ago again. I know I've read it, but I heard it a couple of years ago, and it just, it just jumped out to me. It's John chapter 3 and verse number 13. It says this, No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. Now, now listen to the rest of the verse. Even the Son of Man, which... what? Is in heaven. Now wait a minute. No man has ascended up to heaven except he that came down from heaven. Even the son of man which not was. Is. You mean he's here but he's there. You, you mean he's here but he's also still there. You see, what's supposed to happen to us as Christians, and if you're not a Christian today, if you're not really a follower of Jesus Christ, let me just go ahead and make it, let me just get to the sales pitch real quick. If you decide to follow Jesus, there is no guarantee life is going to get any better. Not everybody's getting a Cadillac and a new house and... But the difference is this. The difference is not that as Christians we don't go through what the world goes through. The difference is the world goes through what they go through without hope. But I go through the same stuff the world goes through, but I have hope. One of the reasons I have hope is because I know that all things work together for good. To them
1: that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So you and I
0: might be going through the same thing, but you don't have hope and I have hope. Y'all going to have to bear with me. I mentioned a couple of, or last Thursday night, I guess it was that I preached. A book I've been reading, reading, the title of it is Preachers and Preaching. i got to tell you, I'm more fired up about preaching than I've ever been before. I'm more fired up about it because I realize what we're facing. I'm not getting into it this morning. I've gotten into it before. But what we're facing in this world today in Christianity, that you're just supposed to calm down, have a motivational speech, and just make people feel better and go about their way, is actually absolutely nothing new. It's been dealt with for decades and centuries. My position may be 2017. But my proximity. And so... How was it that Jesus went through everything He went through and was not overcome and overcome and overwhelmed by it? Because while He was here, He was also there. Now, I know some of you having trouble just getting Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are one and not three. And that's really going to mess you up. I'm sorry. We don't have time to explain it all this morning. But I'm telling you, I just, I'm read to you. It didn't say He was in heaven. It says He that's on earth is in heaven. That means you and I can learn. I might be here going through this, but I also can transcend where I am. I can rise above what I'm going through right
1: now. I do not have to be overcome by the position I'm in. I can be connected. My proximity is a God that has no rival and no equal that now and forever He reigns.
0: Genesis chapter 13, verse number 8 says this, Abraham said unto Lot, Abraham and Lot had left home. God promised Abraham what he was going to do for him. And Lot, which was Abraham's nephew, goes with him. So Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren, is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah even as the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated themselves the one from the other. You got to be very careful that you don't make life altering decisions simply based on the circumstances you see. Because it looked as though the well-watered plains of Jordan would be the better option. And that's what Lot chose. And Abraham was left with what was not that appealing, except what Abraham was left with is what God had created for Abraham. Don't judge me by my circumstances if that's where God's put me. (laughs) Don't judge my future by the desert I'm in right now. Because if this is where God put me and this is where God promised me, God has the ability to turn a desert into something very different than what you expect in a desert. Chose the well-watered plains of Jordan. Verse number 12 says this, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. His position, his position was outside of Sodom. But the direction of his tent, his proximity, was Sodom. He lived outside of Sodom, but his heart was in Sodom. He didn't, he didn't set up his tent in Sodom. He was outside of it, but there was a pool. And in the end, it cost him greatly. Because while God tried to bring mercy to his household, his wife had gotten too wrapped up in what was in Sodom. And when she was provided the opportunity for an escape from judgment, she looked back because her position started to change. But she continued to be pulled by what was in Sodom. Psalms 27 If anybody ever had the ability to be in one place, but transcend it, David learned how to do that. Psalm 27 and verse 1 says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing. One thing. How many things do you desire today? The psalmist said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell, that my
1: proximity may be in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and
0: to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble... He shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who came up with it. I know it's not original to him. Every now and then my youngest says it. Favor ain't fair. But it's real. Favor ain't fair. But it's real. There's there's sometimes things happen that I look around and I go. My position is here. But I have been dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Let me tell you something. I, I don't know what the future holds for us and the rest of the world. Ultimately, it's not good. You can vote for whoever you want to vote for, put whatever party in you want to put in. Ultimately, the future's not good. Read the last chapter of the Bible. There's other places, but read the last chapter. I, I, I find it very interesting how more and more people say that man can only survive so much longer on this earth. I, I'm not into global warming and all. I'll leave that all to the rest of the world to figure out. But I find it very interesting. I, I saw an article yesterday that this guy saying another about another hundred years. Man, man needs to start looking to get be able to live on Mars and other places because another hundred years or so, it's not going to he's not going to be able to live here. You know what? I agree. But I, I'm not a, you say you're a doomsdayist. No, I'm not. I got great hope. Because there's going to be a new heaven. And a new earth.
1: Yeah, all of this can't last. And this is my position. But I've gotten connected to something that's going to outlast this. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever.
0: <laughs> Psalm 26 and 8, Solomon says, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. God, I may be here. This may be my position, but I've learned to connect with something else. I've learned that my circumstances don't have to dictate my attitude and my circumstances. I, 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 I might tell a little bit more of this tonight, but, but we were, we were out eating with Brother Hemus. At first it was Brother Hemus and my dad and I, then a couple others joined us. We were, we were at Damon's. Damon's Damon's ribs in, in excuse me Liverpool wrong country you can't even find Damon's here anymore and this young lady who was our server conversation ends up it's kind of funny i'll just you come back tonight i'm probably going to use this again in a totally different context but she was she was cleaning some tables little a couple of feet from our table, and I guess he was like a manager. I, I miss this part, but uh, apparently she let out a couple of words of profanity right there, and, and I think he kind of got on to her, and, and uh, you don't know Brother John Hemus. You won't appreciate this. If you know him, you'll appreciate this. She came back to our table a few minutes later, and he basically just, this was what he said to her. You need to come to church Sunday. I heard you over there cussing. And it turned into about a ten minute conversation as she's standing there holding a bunch of plates in one hand and a basket of bread in the other. And Bishop made this point to her. There's a difference between fun and joy. Because fun is based on my circumstances. Fun is based on what I'm doing. And that's why they I I, I don't I'm not sure if I'm getting on another roller coaster. I used to ride them. I used to ride just about any roller coaster. I'm going with the young people to Youth Congress, and it may be a waste of money for my ticket this year. Because over the last couple of weeks, I've seen a couple of videos on Facebook of these stupid roller coasters got stuck at the top of the hill. And they're having to bring people to get them down, rescue workers to get them off of there. And so what happens, the problem with fun is, fun is only fun for so long. And then you gotta, you got to bump the limits for it to still be fun. And so now, I mean, the stuff they come up with is crazy. We, we went to Youth Congress a couple of years ago, and uh, where, where was the last one? Was it the last one with that big high drop tower thing? Was that two two ago four years ago this thing go i don't know how many feet that thing goes up everybody sits around it. there's probably like 30 40 people sitting around the perimeter of it back to this takes you up like 400 feet or something i think it is i honestly brother lewis thought your son was having a heart attack literally i mean that sincerely i'm not joking Josh was sitting there, and the look on his face, I honest, I'm not, before God, these were the thoughts going through my mind. I am going to have to call Brother Lewis and tell him his son just had a heart attack. (laughs) Crazy thing is, he did it like two more (laughs) times. Fun. Fun. We call that fun. So now it's not good enough to jump out of an airplane on purpose with a parachute. We now have to jump off the side of a cliff. Fun. Fun. Fun is based on circumstances. And while most of us here, hopefully most of us, have enough sense we don't do all that stuff, we still have things we like to do for fun. But you got to be doing something for fun to have fun. Joy is not dependent upon circumstances. Joy is an abiding sense that I have that no
1: matter what's going on around me, good or bad, my joy is not based on any of that. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength.
0: I think Abraham, when he left Ur, had an idea of this. Hebrews 11 and 8 says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country. He was in the land of promise, but it seemed like a strange place. Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He understood where I am does not determine what I'm close to. Where I am does not dictate what my future is going to be. I may be in a strange place right now, but this strange place is going to ultimately be the fulfillment of God's promise. Can I tell somebody today, you might be in a strange place right now, and I don't mean that literally, figuratively. You may be in a strange place, but that may be the very place that God has set you up, because that's the place in which God is going going to show
1: up and fulfill in your life what He has promised He is going to do.
0: i tell you something. Some of you have been doing this longer than I have. You probably know this better than I do. <laughs> but the moment you think you've got it figured, all figured out. And the moment you think you got it figured out, how God's going to do it. You you might as well just put your seatbelt on because you have messed up. I kinda think if that's the way God was going to do it, when you got it all figured out, he decides, you know what, fine. You want to be that way? I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna switch it all up on you. There have been too many times that circumstances were just lining up and I, this is it, boy, yes. This is All of a sudden, we take a right turn. Like, oh, wait a minute, God, you you missed my email. I sent you a text. I was trying to let you know this is what we're doing. This is how it's going to work. But Abraham may have been in a strange place. But he also understood that he was living on a promise. That no matter where he was, the promise was going to come to pass. Because God is faithful to do what he said he would do. Amen. Psalms 84 and 10. For a day in thy courts. Mm. A day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I don't just want my position, but I also want my proximity to be where I am placed by your house, but I am also connected to your house. Can I, can I say, unfortunately, some of you are in the right position today. But you've yet to get the proximity right. Thursday evening, Thursday was a very unique, in a a lot of ways, it was a very unique wedding. Brother Hemus's other two children, adult children, were married. Both of them married other apostolics whose families were all apostolics. Brother Hema's son, Patrick, married a young lady in their church. She's a part of their church, faithful part of their church. But none of her family is in church. And they all came, or many of them came for that wedding and sat there Thursday afternoon for that wedding in the sanctuary of the Apostolic Church of Liverpool. And the thought crossed my mind several times during that wedding ceremony. These, many of these people have absolutely no idea where they are and what is in this place. Unfortunately, many of them were just like Jacob. And the Lord was in that place. And they knew it not. I beg you today, don't just be where God is. And never connect. (laughs) There are things that can happen in this sanctuary this morning that won't happen to you any place else. There are miracles here this morning. There are people that have come in here sick and I don't mean just the just the bug. I mean you've got disease, you've got sickness in your body. The doctors can't help, but God is in this place.
1: You've got the position right.
0: You're in the right location. But what is your proximity? Are you here, but not really here? There's a story in the Bible, and a lot of ways it's a great story. It's an encouraging story. It's, it's, it's one of the, I think, one of the neatest stories in the Gospels. It's the story of a woman who had dealt with a sickness for 12 years and had tried everything she could to get healed and nothing worked. Tried every doctor she could try and none of them could help her. And one day she was in a crowd of people where Jesus was. She shows up that day and she decides, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. I don't know how big the crowd was that day. I don't think the Bible really says it, but there was a crowd of people that were gathered around and you can tell by the disciples' response that there was a bunch of people that were bumping into Jesus. You ever been in a place that was that crowded? You were sorry, excuse me. My fault. My bad. There was all kinds of people bumping into Jesus. But all of a sudden, he stopped. And he asks a question. He says, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples respond and say, Lord, what do you mean? What do you mean who touched you? Do you not see this crowd of people? There's many people that are touching you. No, there's many people that are in the right position." There's a bunch of people that got the position right,
1: but the proximity's not what it needs to be. Somebody just touched me and virtue went out from my body. Everybody else may have been bumping into me, but something just happened different than
0: everybody else. She kind of steps back. I think she thought she was about to be in trouble. She wasn't in trouble. In fact, I think she just made Jesus day. I think he probably on the inside was getting a little tired of everybody that was there simply out of curiosity. Because he's not interested in just those that have
1: curiosity that show up for a crowd. A crowd doesn't stroke his ego. What he's looking for is somebody that will not only be in the right place, but say it doesn't matter what anybody else does. I will touch him. I will get what I need.
0: Last passage. Last passage. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side but not distressed. We are perplexed Not in despair. I don't know what to do about this. I don't know what to do about that. This doesn't seem to be working out. This seems to be falling apart. But as we used to sing every now and then around here. I've got a feeling. Everything is going to be
1: alright. I've got a feeling.
0: How come you got a feeling? Because the Holy Ghost told me. Everything's going to be alright.
1: We are perplexed, but not in despair.
0: Persecuted, but not forsaken. Just because I'm persecuted doesn't mean He's abandoned me.
1: Cast down, but not destroyed. Rejoice not. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. Because when, not if. Not if, but when I fall. I'm going to fall. You might as well mark it down. I'm going to fall. But don't get too excited. Because I'm going to get back up again. Because a righteous man falls seven times. But he gets back up.
0: We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause? Because of all of that, we faint not. Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I went went a couple of weeks ago now for an MRI on my right shoulder because it was bothering me. They found out I got some minor tearing in there. I realized last week My left shoulder, I think, hurts me as much as the right. My outward man perishes. My outward man perishes. But my inward man is renewed day by day day. Unfortunately, way too many people live this way. We faint not. Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed Sunday by Sunday. No, I've been renewed this morning. I've been renewed today. But tomorrow morning... When all of y'all are at work or in the bed or at school doing whatever you're doing and I'm all by myself. I don't have to have a church service. I don't
1: have to have somebody to help me. But all by myself on Monday morning, I can be renewed on Monday just like I was renewed on Sunday.
0: Now now I'm trying to close. I'm trying to close. I'm not trying to make up for not being here last week all in one day. I promise. But, but put that next verse up there, please. Thank you for... You were, you were right by not, but thank you. Good job. Whoever's up there, I can't see. Before, before I read all of this verse, I want, you to, I, want you to, I want to remind you who is speaking here. This is, this is one of the epistles, one of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. And just in case somebody today may not know a whole lot about Paul, let me just give you a couple of real brief things about Paul. He was thrown in prison. Had his back beaten. He was stoned. Not 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 on drugs. I mean, stone, stone. Rocks thrown at him, stone. Walked away assuming he was dead. But he wasn't. He was shipwrecked. He went through some stuff. He had an affliction that we don't know what it was. A thorn in the flesh that God told him, you're just going to have to live with. My grace is enough. So, so that's just a brief summary of the one speaking, okay? And he calls all of that light affliction. And says it's just for a moment. But it works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. My position is suffering. My position is affliction.
1: But my proximity
0: is eternity. It's glory. I might be here, but what I'm close to is there. For we
1: look not at the things which are seen, but at the things
0: which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul was saying... I am not going to get overwhelmed and depressed and discouraged by something that's not going to last when I can be encouraged and find hope and peace and joy in something that will last forever. You you don't hear this preached a lot in the popular preaching of today. In fact, I don't know that I've ever even in all the different times I've heard clips or seen or heard messages of a lot of the notable preachers of today, I'm not sure I've ever even heard this verse quoted one time. Jesus said, in this world, in this world, in this world, you, not might, not maybe, maybe, Not a slight possibility. You shall have tribulation. That's pressure. That's problems. That's difficulties. Let me tell you something. If anybody's preaching to you a gospel that says you can reach a point in this life where there's no problems, no sickness, no difficulty, they did not get it from here. Paul prayed three times for that thorn. In fact, he begged God three times. You know, it wasn't just I, I, I'm not sure how often or how, how much value most of our pre-meal prayers have. I don't know about you, but I a lot of times I'm guilty of just uttering a few words before I eat. My heart's not in it. My mind's not really in it. I, I hate to admit that to you. Honestly, I do, but. Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it in Jesus' name. All the stuff going on today, everything they're putting in it, I probably ought to really pray every time. I, understand, I mean that sincerely. There's a lot of things that's about the way we pray about them. You know, hey, God, if you don't mind, would you do this? If you get around to it, could you do that? That's not the kind of prayer Paul prayed for this thorn. He begged God three times Three times he begged God. And the Lord replied and said this, My grace is sufficient for you. A lot of people get disillusioned with Christianity because every prayer doesn't get answered the way they want it. anybody ever had an unanswered prayer? Got you. There is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. There is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Do you know why we say, I have an unanswered prayer? You know why? The reason I say I have an unanswered prayer is because God has not done what I ask Him to do. Forgive me for having a proud dad moment. If you're a guest today, these two young men are both my sons. It's pretty cool. There's been numerous times in both of their lives when they've asked me a question. And this was the answer. Never opened my mouth. Never even shook my head. Just looked back at them. And they understood. So I say to you again, there are no unanswered prayers. The problem is sometimes you prayed prayers and God's gone like this to you. And he's actually probably a couple of times gone like this to you. (laughs) Not really trying to be unkind or facetious. I'm I'm trying to make a point a little bit lighthearted because a lot of us struggle with unanswered prayer. Because unless God does what we ask him to do, he hasn't answered. You do understand, and if you're a parent, you do understand that no is a valid answer. And a silent no is a valid answer. The Bible says this. I'm, I'm trying to quit. I really am. Is it? think it's James, if I'm not mistaken. In the book of James it says, If there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders. Says that they will prayer, pray the prayer of faith. Now if you're sick, what are you looking for? Healing. But the scripture says, if there's any sick among you, call for the elders, they shall pray for them. And if there's it, and the prayer of faith shall, you would expect it to say heal. But it says the prayer of faith shall save the sick because God is way more interested in the eternal condition of your soul than he is temporary pain-free life because what we see is temporal it doesn't last But what is unseen is eternal. And so Paul says, all that is going on, if I will let it, will work for me to be a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So I ask you today, how close, how near, are you not by location but by focus by hunger by desire it's not good enough to just be in the right place whether that's here or some other place it's not good enough to just be in the right place you've got to draw near you've got to reach out after him would you Bow your heads and close your eyes if you would, please. If nothing else, just out of respect for those around you. I believe there's some folks in here today, even if it's just one, there's some people, the position you've been in, the circumstances you're in, that have been determining your values, your culture. Those things may be negative. But there is a God that is a whole lot nearer perhaps than you've even recognized that is looking for you to draw near to Him because He wants to draw near to you. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to get a, give an invitation right now. I want to give an invitation to somebody today that you'd be willing to say to the Lord today, God, I... I don't want to just be like a Jacob, that I'm at the right place, it's the right spot, it's where you are, but I don't even know that you're there, I've missed the fact that you were there. So I don't want to just be in the right position, but I want my proximity to be close to you. As well, if you're here this morning and you'd acknowledge that's your desire, you'd acknowledge that's what you need, I invite you right now. may not be the most comfortable thing I understand, but partly as a step of faith is why I ask you to do this, to get up out of your seat and make your way down to this front that we use as our altar area. Because I believe there's some people in this place today that God wants you to realize my circumstances may be one thing the situations I'm in today may be one thing but like the psalmist said when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock that is higher in the name of Jesus church can you help me right now In the name of Jesus, come on, I believe the Holy Ghost is in this place, talking to some folks today. If you're a guest this morning, again, I realize it might be a little uncomfortable to ask you to do what I've just asked, and I also clarify, I'm not asking you to join a church this morning if you're a guest. If you're a guest, we would absolutely love to have you to be a part, but... What's happening right now is not just about joining a church. What God desires to do for you today is much bigger than that. It's much greater than that. Come on. I believe I'm preaching to some people right now. Your circumstances are telling you God has forgotten you. Your circumstances are telling you God has abandoned you your circumstances are telling you that God is upset with you but if you would just give him the opportunity what the psalmist said would actually be what you experienced this morning that God is a very present help in your trouble in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus church would you be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Ghost right now Come on, I believe God's trying to touch some people in this place today. Come on, church, help me, please. In the name of Jesus, 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 God, I don't want to be in the right place but still be distant from you. I don't want to be in the right location but still be far away from you, God. God, no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter the situations that are going on around me, I want my closeness, my nearness to be to you, God, because you transcend all that's going on around me. Your name is a strong tower. Your name is a strong tower that I can run into and be safe. In the name of Jesus, have your way in this place, Lord. Have your way in this place, Lord, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, Let someone find that habitation of your spirit today. Let somebody find that dwelling place where you are today, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Help me to learn. Help me to learn what you learned, Jesus. And while you're on this earth, you can still be connected to what's going on in heaven. You can still be connected to what heaven sees. And my hope is not based on what I see. My hope is not based on the outlook that I have for my future from a natural perspective. My hope is based on your power, your ability, your word. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Help somebody learn today, God. Help somebody learn today, God, what it means to be in the midst of circumstances that might be challenging, that might be painful, that might be oppressing. But to live with the hope, the peace, the confidence that you are greater, that everything is working for my good according to your purpose and your plan. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, if you're done or whenever you're done praying, feel free to go if you need to, if you want to. Please be mindful of those that are still praying. I remind you of the sign-up sheets that are in the back for our project that we're doing. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, have your way, Jesus, have your way, Jesus, have your way, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Kalamando Robo Satarabakaya, Dolorobo Satabahai. Elamando Robo Seyeki, Alarabo Satabahai. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, help me to learn to find that secret place. Help me, God, to learn that in the midst of what's going on around me to learn that I can dwell in the secret place of the Most High in the name of Jesus 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 Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah Thank you Jesus Thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah morning, everybody. <clears throat> Welcome to Made to Be Pure 2017. I think this is our, I believe, our 10th year, which is really scary, um, but here we are. So uh, we're going to open up with a chorus just to kind of get ourselves uh, focused here. I know we got a few few more that will be coming in as we uh, go along, so if you would join me for a little bit of worship here as we begin today.
2: Hallelujah, yeah. hallelujah. And every breath that... I-
0: snacks and good food after a while it's really a wasted day because this really communicates the attitude and the spirit that is necessary for today to be worthwhile i'll i'll say this probably again in just a few moments but really you got to decide and i don't know that it's a one-time decision in fact probably not maybe kind of like for those of here in central on thursday night maybe kind of like what the bible says you got to take up your cross daily so it really is probably bottom line a daily commitment we make major commitments but it's a daily i i have times in my life i would imagine that brother and sister simpson and some of the other adults here could could uh, relate to this there are some moments in my life that were like uh, very major times of surrender. Very, I, I, have one of those times that is at Roxbury Campground, where youth camp is, that as about a 17 or an 18 year old, I had one of the most significant moments of surrender. But I, sur- I have to surrender on a daily basis. And so, my, my, what I'm getting to with all of that is, if you don't decide today, that what God desires is most important. You're, you're going to be in a greater battle than you'll be in without that. <laughs> it's going to be a battle. But the world, from a worldly perspective, what we are doing here today, let's be honest, from a worldly perspective, the theme of today and what we are doing is absolutely ridiculous. It's silly. It's crazy. It, it, who would, who would be so old fashioned? So again, by singing this, not just as a song, but as a prayer, what you are doing is positioning yourself so that the Word of God and the Spirit of God can minister to you, talk to you today. So as we sing the verse again, if you're willing to raise your hands and close your eyes, fine, but I'm asking everybody to at least close your eyes as we sing this verse again and then the course, but as we do it as a prayer, not just simply as a song.
2: Thank you, Jesus. This is my desire, oh, to walk. Mind, all my strength,
0: all of my body, Lord, all of my being, all
2: I have within me, Jesus. I'm going to give it all to you.
0: you, Lord. Praise God. You may be seated. Let me give you real quick, just so you know, our rundown for the day, our schedule for the day. I'm not going to give you all the speakers. We'll let that keep your curiosity stirred up. Uh, we're going to go for a few more minutes here, uh, combined, and then uh, 10 a.m. we're going to have Uh, our first of two breakout sessions. So for that session, uh, young people will remain in the auditorium. Young adults will be in the chapel. And parents um, or guardians, uh, if you're an adult um, guardian today, uh, you will be in the chosen youth room. Uh, then at 11, from 11 to 11.30, we're going to have a snack break. And uh, that will be downstairs in the foyer and hallway. Correct, Sister Angie? Snack break. Okay. So the snacks will be in the hallway. You get your snacks. And then if you want to go outside, um, hopefully it will not be too warm. Patio. Um, the fo- There's a photo booth uh, uh, out there. If you're facing the building, the right side entrance. Um, So from 11 to 11.30 will be a snack break, a break. Uh, Then at 11.30, we will have another breakout session. This one will be divided up, males and females. So the guys will be in the auditorium. The ladies will be in the chapel. Uh, If you are, I know we have a couple of situations where um, you... You may be a uh, different gender than the one you are here for, accountability partner. I think I would suggest you go to the, uh, the session for your gender. <laughs> um, probably would be most comfortable on you. So, again, that's 11.30 until 12.30. Guys will be here, ladies in the chapel. And then uh, we will come back in here at 12.30 for two more combined general sessions, um, and then we will finish off with our lunch in the uh, in the fellowship hall. So uh, that's the just so you kind of know what the schedule is for today. So I, I uh, let me just let me make a couple of more remarks here before I share for a few moments what I have for this session. Uh, First off, let me say to those of you today, teenagers or young adults that uh, have already had some struggles in your life in this area, maybe you've already made some mistakes, the awesome thing about the blood of Jesus and God's forgiveness is it's an opportunity to start over. So I say that to encourage you with that, but also to say, please I just I want you to know, I want to at least make it clear, there is nothing today that is intended in any of this for those of you that may have had struggles already to condemn you, to make you feel guilty. If you are feeling bad, that is the devil. There's two different words that have to do with this area. One is conviction, one is condemnation. Convictions from God, condemnations from the devil. They both have sort of the same purpose but they have a different message. Condemnation makes you feel guilty and hopeless. Conviction causes you to recognize what you're doing is wrong, but it gives you hope that you can change. So when you're when when you hear accusations about yourself, well, let me all that that's the other difference. Conviction is about what you're doing. Condemnation usually is about you. So if if you're Hearing thoughts about how bad you are, that's condemnation. If you're hearing things about what you're doing that you need to stop and you need to change, that's conviction. So there's no intent to bring condemnation here today. Conviction, yes. Condemnation, no. So again, I, I want to say that it's very important to me because I know some of you, again, you've already had struggles and you've already made some mistakes so I don't want you feeling like we are, we are trying to make you feel uh, guilty today. And, and again, don't let the devil convince you, well, I've messed up, I might as well give up, because that's exactly what he wants you to do. I, I want to say again what I said a few moments ago. If you sit here today and you are, you are more interested in, in the world's viewpoint on what we communicate today, this is a huge waste of time. And I acknowledge, I acknowledge, as senior or not sorry, I'm not senior pastor anymore, as as senior executive elder, as uh whatever I am, I acknowledge that I acknowledge that from a worldly perspective this seems ridiculous. I, I you've heard us say this before, but every single year my wife and I uh leading up to May to be pure. The devil pays attention to the calendar and shows up, not only just battling us individually, but being very transparent. We usually end up with a little contention between each other during this time. Um, so I, 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 it, there's a lot, a lot of me that says, you know what, it'd be a lot easier just ignore this and let everybody do whatever they decide to do. But this is an extremely important area and i realize the world has made it so frivolous but the word of god is what matters the most so you you got to decide today are you going to are you going to allow the the media and celebrities and pop culture to influence how you think feel believe what you do or the unchanging eternal word of god to be what sets your course and i believe that Just the simple fact that you're here today, that your desire is for the Word of God to do that. So let me also say, I greatly appreciate you being here today, and uh, I I appreciate you taking the time. I know some of you, I think, had to take off work to be here today. I I appreciate that, and uh, I, I appreciate you being willing to make a sacrifice to do that, if that's what was required for you to be able to be here today. So... Just for a few moments this morning I'm, I'm only going to go a couple of minutes but I, I just want to I want to communicate to you what the Bible says with regards to this area does it really matter is it really that big of a deal uh, let me all I know we've got a few young folks here today but um, there's pretty much if you're if you are a teenager which is what you're supposed to be to be a part of made to be pure there's unless you've been living Uh, uh, completely separated from the world, you've already been exposed to probably much more than we will even communicate here today. But I say that to say we probably will get a little plain in some areas today. Um, I don't know why we get so intimidated by that, again, based on what most of you are exposed to on a daily basis. Um, so does it really matter? Does it really matter? So what is the what does the Bible have to say about it? First Thessalonians chapter four, verses one through four say this. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we give you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. Take that, every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. That means every one of you needs to know how to Put it in 2017 terminology, handle your business. You need to know how to govern and control your life under the influence of the Holy Ghost. The Amplified says it this way, "...for you know what charges and precepts we gave you on the authority and by the inspiration of the Lord Jesus." For this is the will of God, that you should be consecrated, that means separated and set apart for pure and holy living. That you should abstain and shrink from all sexual vice. If a couple of, anybody, who was here at the very first time we did Made to Be Pure? I know we got one, got a couple. It wasn't made to be pure the first year called Worth the Wait. It's a great program, nothing wrong with it, and we did that the first time, Worth the Wait, but that just kind of makes it all about sex and waiting till you get married. And as we've tried to communicate for nine years now, this is more, way more than just whether or not you have sex before marriage, because you can abstain from sex before marriage and still be very impure. And so the Amplified says to abstain and shrink from all sexual vice, all sexual vice, that each one of you should know how to possess, control, manage his own body in consecration, purity, separation from things profane, and honor. In consecration, which is purity separated from things profane, but also your, keep your body in honor. The Message Bible you know the guidelines we laid out from the Master Jesus. This is, this, Paul is saying, this is what we got from Jesus. This isn't what we just came up with. Made to be pure is not just Sister Angie and Pastor David's idea. Paul said, I'm not just telling you what I think. Paul says, I am delivering you the message that Jesus gave us. Keep yourself from sexual promiscuity learn to appreciate and give dignity to your body give dignity to your body and not abusing it as is common among those who lo- who know nothing of god now you got to understand that this is this is 2000 years ago when paul said this and he said then that it was common among those who knew nothing of God that sexual promiscuity was common then no tv no movies no video no internet no social media no rock uh, rap I'm trying to say it. rock rap country hip hop what it, none of that and paul says it's common how much more in 2017 Let me give you a couple of definitions. The word fornication means properly, it means used of illicit sexual intercourse. The word illicit means not permitted, according to Webster's. The word abstain, according to the Greek, means to keep oneself away. I.e., be distant, literally or figurative. Keep oneself away. Don't even get close. Brother Wright, you really don't expect us... To stay pure, really, to stay pure in 2017, do you? From a worldly perspective, absolutely not. From a biblical perspective, absolutely. And our problem is, our problem is, we make all kinds of excuses for our behavior, and we just kind of decide, you know what, we're all going to dabble a little bit. And it said in the message Bible, it says that you need to, or excuse me, the the definition of abstain is to keep away, be distant. I got to tell you, and I know some of you are brave enough, you'd pick it up. But if there was a snake anywhere in this room, one thing I would make sure was I was as far away in the room as possible. I was standing years ago, i, I, I probably 20 plus years ago, I think maybe when our kids were small, standing in the reptile house, at the Washington D.C. Zoo, and there's a rail about three feet, two feet from the glass. I got my hands on the rail, and I think it was the python was in there. And and I'm just, I'm telling you, it took me everything just to stand there on the other side of the glass with another two feet from the rail trying to look at this thing without just having heart attack. And I'm standing there focused in, making sure, because if it starts to move, I don't care how thick the glass is, I'm gone. And I'm standing there intently looking and this kid whose nose was the same height as the railing that my hands were walked up and just happened to breathe on me and I jumped like no white man is supposed to jump. That's, that's what keeping away from something is. But you know what? There's people sitting in this room right now that it's this close. Because you got stuff on here Right now. That you're dabbling with. So what does it really matter? Let's just look real quick. I got five minutes. Four minutes. Listen to what the Bible says about fornication. Now remember. So okay well. I'm not actually committing the act of fornication. I'm not having sexual intercourse. Well let's just go back to what Jesus said in the New Testament. With regards to adultery. If a man thinks. On a woman in his heart that's adultery. So let's just put fornication in that category. Let's put sexual things in that category. Okay, I don't act on them, I just think about it. New Testament, a little bit different than the old. Romans 12, or Romans 128. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they didn't like to think about God. They didn't want God in their mind because God bothered them. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. You can press God to the point He no longer tries to get you to do right. He says, if that's what you want to do, fine, I'll let you go. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. So fornication, fornicators are in this list. Also those that are disobedient to parents are in this list. And Paul then says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do them, but have pleasure in those that do them. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not? That the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You're not going to be saved. Be not deceived. Now Paul gives a list. Neither fornicators, idolaters, or adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind. That's got to do with homosexuality. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Flee. Skipping down to verse 18. Flee. What does the word flee mean? Run. There's a snake. I'm out of here. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doth is without the body. He that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. The Amplified says shun immorality and all sexual looseness. All sexual looseness. If that means anything, it ought to mean something in 2017. All sexual looseness. That means your conversation. That means your texting. That means your your, 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 your uh, social media interaction. That means what you look at online. Abstain from all sexual, shun all sexual looseness. Flee from impurity in thought, word, or deed. Any other sin which a man commits is one outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against the body. Living Bible says, That is why I say to you, run from sex, sin, no other sin, no other sin affects the body as this one does. When you sin, this sin is against your own body. I don't have time to get in some long theological explanation here this morning. I just need you to get the fact that Paul says sexual sin is different than the rest. Different than smoking, drinking, it's different than all those other things. That you, it's different than lying. Galatians. 519, now the works of the flesh. These are the things the flesh produces. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, additions, heresies, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before as I have also told you in time past. Now you got those things? Again, the context, primary focus of that for today, the word fornication. Listen to what Paul says. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot mess around with sexual immorality and be saved. Last verse, last passage, Ephesians 5 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh the saints. You know what Paul's saying there? You shouldn't even hear about this in the church. You shouldn't even hear about fornication in the church. This, I thought this was another version, last verse. Colossians 3, 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things' sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. I hope in this last ten minutes, somebody, hopefully maybe more than ever before, has gotten the idea, you know what, this stuff matters. I don't know, I, I know in my part, I don't think in my part of Made to Be Pure, I've ever gone quite into these verses like this. If it was, nothing more than a quick reading of most of them. But just to try to communicate to you, this matters to God. Today matters to God. Because this today, Paul said, All other sins are without the body. This is against the body. Again, there's a whole lot more to that that we don't have time to get into today. I'm not going to bog you down with. I'm challenging somebody today to make up your mind. I will not allow my values, my thoughts, my morals to be influenced by what they say out there. I'm going to be influenced by what the eternal, never-changing Word of God says. Amen. I'm doing my best to keep with the schedule. I'm going to stop. So, let's see here again. Youth, you will remain in here. I'm going to ask you as we depart that you all kind of gather closer because a bunch of folks will be leaving. Young adults, you're going to the chapel. And then parents, you'll be heading to the chosen youth room. Parents, I'm not sure if that's set up. So if it's not, just grab a chair and sit wherever you want to. Again, to youth and to the speakers, 11 o'clock, we're taking our snack break.